0: Thanks, Alan, for the introduction. As he mentioned, um, my family has been here attending for just about a year. Um, but as someone who has been in this role for a while, I know that there's a lot of places that you could be on a Sunday morning. So I just want to thank you for um, making space to be here on a Sunday morning. Uh, if we haven't gotten to meet yet, just a brief introduction. I do get to lead young life here in Pearland, um, but you might have seen my face or my husband's face, who's more known because he's usually up here on Sunday mornings playing guitar with our worship team. Uh, Jacob and I both have uh, two children. We have Joshua and Julianne. Joshua is nine. And Julianne is seven, and they both attend Silver Lake Elementary just down the road. So um, yeah, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. I want to thank Kurt for sharing this um, space with me and allowing us to share a little bit about our family and who we are as we continue in the next sermon series, which is the journey following Jesus on mission. And that's really how our family got to be here as part of the Vineyard family is by following Jesus. Last year at this time, almost exactly just a couple of weeks ago to the date, uh, I had stepped back from a ministry role at another church just at the prompting of the Lord that it was time that he had something different from us. And uh, that's not always easy, but that's the thing about following God. Following Jesus on this journey, it doesn't mean that it's always easy. Sometimes he calls us to places that we don't want to go and sometimes he asks us to leave places that we don't want to leave see our family had been part of the very roots of that church we were there when they were still uh, designing and building the stage and there was sawdust on the floor and cables were run around if you were part of vineyard you remember those days when this very building was built When the Lord had been working so faithfully for so many years, and it wasn't quite ready. And so we stepped into uh, that church there. Our children were raised there. It was the only church that they had ever known. And so to leave was something especially grievous for them. But we had something that anchors us as disciples, and that was a trust in Jesus. A trust that he had a plan that we maybe didn't understand at the time, but that was for our very good And so I want to share a little bit with you this morning about that journey. As um, what Alan alluded to during communion earlier, we look this morning at Jesus' words to his disciples, which are known uh, better as the Great Commission, those last words that he said to them before he ascended into heaven. So before we open God's word together, I invite you just to bow with me and um, ask the Lord to be with us this morning as we open his word together. Jesus. As we just sang, God, you are truly worthy of it all. God, from you are all things and to you are all things, God. And we just ask you to be present here with us this morning, Lord. I thank you for the beautiful opportunity it is to share your word, to learn and to live alongside your people here at the Vineyard Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just encompass all of our hearts and our minds this morning, that we would be ever-present, free from all of the distractions that can surround us, Lord, just at your feet, here to listen to the words that you've given us this morning. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. You are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name. All right, if you will, turn with me in your Bible or Bible app or follow along on the screen. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 28, the first uh, book of the New Testament, very end of that first book, chapter 28, starting in verse 16. And if you have um, a Bible that has the little subtitles, it starts with the Great Commission there. But the first word it says is then. And I don't like starting in the middle of a then because I don't know what it then is before. So we have to look back a little bit back to um, some previous verses there. Uh, this is referring to when Mary and the women had just seen Jesus after uh, his first appearance, after his death there at the tomb. He told them, he said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So then. Picking up in verse 16, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. If you've been part of a church for any period of time, chances are that you've heard this many times. We've already heard it twice just this very morning. Go and make disciples. But maybe this isn't super familiar language with you. So just in a conversation this morning, what are disciples? You can speak to me. What are disciples? Followers, yes. Followers of a leader. Followers of a teacher. And so Jesus tells his disciples to go and be disciplers and make disciples of him. Very simply with these words, teach them to obey Everything that I have commanded you go and make disciples And so as we look into this, I want us to put ourselves in the story something that I like to do when I'm reading Biblical narrative as a disciple of Jesus. I like to think What would I do? How would I respond if I was standing here before Jesus And having this conversation. Because this commission is not just for these disciples. It's for disciples all the way to the very end of the age. So we know Jesus is speaking to us here as well. So let's imagine we're standing there in Galilee before the resurrected Jesus with his nail-scarred hands and feet. If we look back just a few verses before that, verse 3, it says, His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. So here we are standing before something that's just made Roman guards afraid. And it says they worshipped him, but some doubted. So my first question to us this morning is, which one are you? There before this man standing before you like lightning resurrected from the dead are you worshiping or are you doubting and as a life of a disciple I think any given season I can be one or the other sometimes I am there worshiping before everything that makes no sense to me but sometimes I'm standing there and I'm thinking Lord I don't know I don't I don't know I don't know if I can trust you this time I don't know if what you have for me is good. I know you've been good (laughs) for all of my years, but this one seems like a little bit too much. But either way, we're standing in awe of the resurrected Lord, and he says to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You, therefore, are to go and make disciples. What's really probably going through my head is, I'm sorry, what? You want me to do huh the thing that just got you killed you want me to go do that no no thank you no thank you we were here and we were walking faithfully with you and you said a lot of things that didn't make a lot of sense but we were with you and then you died and we were alone and we were scared and now you're back and we saw you And we ate with you, and everything seems like it's going to be okay. But now you're leaving, and you want us to go do that. I don't know if I can. I'm not you, Lord. Surely this is for someone else. But the game changer here is that those disciples had a faith and a trust in Jesus. And they were willing to step out, just like Peter did on the water, and say, Lord... I'll trust you again. A trusting relationship with Jesus changes things. And that's what it means to follow a leader. Sometimes in the dark, sometimes where it's just one step at a time and I don't know where to put my next foot. But I'm following you and I'm trusting you because I know that you have a good plan for me. I know that because your word tells me. That you have a good plan for me. In Romans 8 it says all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. Not my plan, not what makes sense to me, not what seems easy or fun. But his purpose and that can always be trusted. So with that the disciples did that. They trusted Jesus and they went on to go and proclaim freedom to the captives to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, confident with Jesus' words. Surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So disciples, where is Jesus calling you to today? Where is that next step? Where is your next foot headed As we follow this leader who asks us to share his word with the world around us, to all nations, in all places that we go. And if you're not there, my prayer has been that this message would affirm and encourage in you that no matter what doubt you have, disciples, the Lord has a good plan for you. This is a commission. This is an invitation. This is a commandment. Therefore, to go... And teach them everything the Lord has told you. For every single one of us. Even if you don't think that you're equipped. And even if you don't think that you're able to. Because I'm confident in this. As soon as the disciples walked away from Jesus. As he ascended into heaven. And they turned and went into what was going to be all of nations. They doubted too. I know this because... There's an enemy working against us, and that enemy has been working against us since Genesis 3, coming over and over time and time again, asking one simple question. Did God really say? Did God really say that you're supposed to go to all nations? Did God really call you? Do you really think that you have what it takes Did he really teach you those things? Because time and time again, we've seen this doubt introduced in their life. And I bet you've heard it. I do. I hear it every single day. But disciple-making at its simplest is just what Jesus said. Teach them to obey everything that I have taught you. Those ways that I've been faithful to you before... Tell your story over and over again. Practically, this means being vulnerable. It means being willing, which are things that are not easy to do. It means stepping into new relationships. It means letting our mess show a little bit. But Jesus says that's that's what discipleship is. It's teaching them the way that I have taught you. Turns out that's pretty difficult, though, because some people don't want to be discipled. They don't want to be led. We're like sheep. We're a bit stubborn. Or sometimes people really don't care that I am a disciple of Jesus because they've found a different way that works for them and their life, and they're doing it that way. And so through that, I find that I start to doubt myself even more, and I start to feel like I'm a pretty inadequate disciple. Surely this is not what God meant. me this is for Peter and for John and for Kurt and for Alan and for all these guys that are really called into ministry but at my best I probably just keep figuring it out in my own life and not try to mess it up for someone else because I'm a pretty messy human I see some nods and some smiles so I know that I'm not alone there I've tried to share the gospel with somebody, and they were resistant to hear it, or I didn't really know what words to say, or I did that, but then I went and had this thing in my life that made me doubt and question my own faith in Jesus. And so I'm over and over again reeling over whether or not God really meant this great commission for little me. But what if I were to tell you that some of the best ministry work that I have ever gotten to be a part of were in my spiritual infancy. My little baby Christian stance. Even though I was raised in the church, for the most part, I was baptized and saved at eight, I didn't really begin following Jesus until I was 24. I um, was fresh off of a wedding that I just called off two weeks before and a broken engagement and I worked in office supply sales just like the office it was fantastic (laughs) and I had a boss there who um, I had a great relationship with and as I began to hear this invitation of Jesus I was reading my bible every day hungrily really wanting to know what it was that God had going on in my life And I was 24 and kind of a mess. And both of those things are like a dichotomy. It's like oil and water. Like I'm trying to do the right thing. Like Romans 7 says, not really hitting the mark. And so I met with my boss week after week. And it turns out, in some way, the Lord was using me to lead her to himself. We met weekly in our one-on-ones. And I talked about everything just laid it all on the line because i was young and i needed someone to talk to and i was trying to figure this out and she was older and i thought she should know things and maybe she would give me advice or tell me what to do because somebody needed to tell me what to do at the time during all of these things and so i spilled my guts every week she just listened and did a lot of nodding she didn't say a lot i really thought her thought what she must have been thinking was okay, sweetie, I'm glad this Jesus thing is working for you, or it seems to be working for you. What I really need you to do is just stay focused on your monthly quotas. If you can hit that, then we're both going to be okay. But as I shared week after week, her heart was being changed as well. As my faith foundation was being formed, so was hers. And years later, as I decided to leave that organization and move on to another one. I had gone into her office on the last day to turn in my laptop and my Blackberry and all of those things, and she had a gift for me. She pulled it out of a little bag and smiled and gave me a hug, and through this awkward, neither one of us really wanted to cry and ruin our makeup exchange, I went on my way, and she went back to her desk at work. And later, when it was okay for me to show some emotion I opened up that little gift and it had a note inside that talked about how much I had impacted her faith you see she had been married remarried a couple of years before that and in my efforts of trying to do what I thought the right thing was to do I gave him a bible with her and her new husband's name engraved on the front of it and as I spilled my guts to her every single week she went home and was reading that bible with her new husband trying to understand and make sense of what on earth was happening. I sheepishly gave it to her. She never said another word to me about the Bible. I never heard anything about it, thought that she really thought I was crazy. And then I receive, on the last day that I got to see her, this little pen that said, have faith. And a note that I just got to read again last night as I was preparing my heart to share with you this morning about how the Lord had turned her heart for him And she and her new husband had been attending church faithfully. They had joined a small group. They were praying together regularly. And somehow, in my weakness, God's strength was made perfect. I just talked about everything that God had commanded me. How I was wrestling with trying to be an obedient Christian. How I didn't understand all the words that he had to say to me. I was confused. And she was wrestling with those things herself. See, Jesus has used some very unworthy vessels to lead a lot of really, really cool things. And we see that in the Bible. You look at the lives of the disciples and they share those same exact stories. Called off fishing boats and away from being a tax collector and all of these things. And he says, you are who I'm going to use. spread the gospel the good news to all of the earth even if you don't think you're capable even when you think you're messing it up the most you are my disciples and surely I am with you to the very end of the age it's how I'm able to hang out with some teenagers every single week as a young life leader, and dance and laugh and learn all kinds of things that I do that make me seem really, really, really old. Because in following Jesus, he led me there. And I don't know how long I'm going to be there. But as my friend Terrence, who will be here next week with us, reminded me, the disciples didn't know how long they were going to be there either. They just went And they were there until the Lord called them into something else. But for my years since then, the best discipling that I will ever get to be a part of is in the lives of my children. I've actually started calling them over the last few months as I've been praying about this Lord's call on my life as a mother. And as they get older and things get a little harder... And I shared with somebody this morning, like I've actually started calling them my disciples instead of my children often, which people look at me really weird when I do that, and that's okay. I work with teenagers, I'm used to being weird now, it's fine. Um, But it's reframed my mind, and no longer are they just this thing I have to do or this work that I have to put in, but I see them literally following in every single step that I take, even when it's to the bathroom. They are there, I'm their leader. And Jacob and I, somehow, as some messy, messy people, are who God has called to lead them in their faith formation. And it happens whether we really like it or not, because they live in the same house as we do. Sometimes we're really intentional about it, and we invite them into conversations, and we have um, adult things with them of saying, hey, this is the decision that's going to be made What do you think about this? How do you feel about this? But sometimes it's just an accident because I can't hide anything on my face. The Lord did not give me grace in the face. And if I'm worried or upset or angry or sad, they see it. And they see me pray. And they see me afraid. And they see me sad. They see me struggle in relationships with other believers. They see me struggle in relationships with other people around me that aren't believers that I'm really praying for. They see every single thing. And in that, somehow God is using my weakness to make his strength perfect as we lead our children in an authentic faith just by being willing and vulnerable. That's discipleship at its simplest, teaching them to obey everything that God has given to me and confident that his grace is working in all the ways that I'm messing it up. Just like as I sat in my boss's office all of those times and shared my mess, God's grace was perfect and working through. I say this because I have young children and I work with teenagers and I see all of this in betweenness, And parents who are trying their very, very best. But what I want to affirm in you is that You are the loudest voice in your children's life. No matter what Vineyard Kids says to them, no matter what their school says to them, no matter what their friends say to them, when they come home, it's either confirmed or denied by their experience inside of your home because that's normal to them. No matter what happens, no matter how functional or dysfunctional it may be, you are the loudest voice. You are capable of equipping the next generation of disciples that are charged with the same commission that we will see from generation to generation till the very end of the age for them to go and make disciples of all nations, for them to go and teach their children everything that you have taught them because of what the Lord has taught you over and over and over again. We see this in Second Timothy, this legacy of faith where Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I know the faith that I see in you is because of your grandmother and your mother, Lois and Eunice. What a call out in the Bible to be like, yeah, Mom. I can't imagine a greater joy. In fact, Scripture says that there's no greater joy than this, to know that my children are following in the Lord. So where we are, wherever that may be, authentically, is to follow Jesus. And I look out and see some of those who are in the next generation, their grandparents of that. And I tell you and testify to you this morning that I am here sharing this because of the faithfulness of my grandparents in my life. When my parents couldn't be there leading me to church consistently, my grandparents were always there affirming in me, teaching me scripture, being the example of faithful followers. One of my favorite stories is of my grandmother. And my grandfather, every time I was over at their house, um, I knew that the world revolved around me when I was there. Y'all like, you know how, mamas are like, yeah, it does. The world revolved around me, but every single morning when I woke up, I would go into the middle of the house, into their living room, and there they would both be with their Bibles, and I wasn't allowed to say a word. And now I know my grandma needed some, she needed a minute before we were gonna start the day. But I wasn't, I could come in and I could sit at their feet. But now as an adult, I appreciate that so much that I got to see that as special and precious and wonderful as I knew that I was to my grandparents, the Lord was more special and more precious. And now as my grandmother ages and my grandfather is already gone, they gave me a legacy that I get to pass on to our children. A legacy of faith, something that will be with them for the rest of our lives. We don't have to cross oceans to all the nations to carry out the Great Commission, even though we should. It's an incredible experience. If you have a chance to, you absolutely should. But we live in Houston. or pretty close to it. So all of these nations are right here around us. In every single thing that we do, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, and everywhere we go, there is a space for us to share authentically. Just by being willing and vulnerable, simply by telling others about the work that the Lord has been doing in us and is doing in us. We don't have to have all the answers and all of it figured out. Because of our weakness, his strength is made perfect. So where is God Calling you today. Wherever you go home. Wherever you go to work. Wherever you shop. Just by being an example. A light and a witness. Flaws in all. It's God's work in you. And it's God's grace. In and through you. When we are just willing to respond to that. You see the disciples didn't know where they were going. Or how long they were going to be there. There's a book that I read about recently. I haven't read the whole book because I'm still in seminary. So I read like parts of books a lot, but never whole books at this (laughs) season in my life. Um, But one of my favorite authors, Jill Briscoe, has a book uh, that's titled, Here I Am, Lord, Send Someone Else. And there has never, ever been a better title of a book. That's exactly how I feel. And she shares in that book about a man named Major Ian Thomas. He was a British theologian. He was a teacher, and he was the founder of Torchbearers Bible School. And he shares in that book how he had spent seven years of his life just gruelingly about to pour himself out completely to live a life for God. And in that, the Lord taught him that he actually just wanted to live a life for him. He didn't owe God anything, but by his just being willing to share who he was, he was faithfully following out. And he gives this very simple advice when we consider our lives as Christians. He says, go where you're sent, stay where you're put, and do what you're asked. And to me, that's the Great Commission. If I had to put it in my words, it's go where you're asked, do what you're asked. Let me live through you and tell them about me. In the name of the Father, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I know this is work, and it's scary work, and it's hard work, but it's okay. I'm gonna be with you everywhere you go. That's my version, but if you'll stand with me, I wanna close us out with uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message version of this scripture. It says meanwhile the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee headed for the mountain that Jesus had set for their reunion the moment they saw him they worshiped him some though held back not really sure about worship about risking themselves totally jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave them this charge God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone that you meet, far and near, in this way of life. Marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then, instruct them in the practice that I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this, day after day, right up, until the very end of the age. If you feel something stirring in you this morning. I want to confirm that that is the Holy Spirit inviting you into something. Perhaps something new. Or something deeper. Or something scary and challenging. And every single person standing alongside with you is in the same place. Never are we ever where God intends for us to be. He always has something more For us, there's always a next step to be taken. And as you explore this morning, I want to invite you um, to the person next to you, to your neighbor, to the nations that are represented here, to this family that the Lord has given to us, and say, if there's something stirring in you, and perhaps you're exploring what that might be, into a place of prayer. So after I pray here in a little bit, I'd like for our small group leaders and our prayer leaders to go ahead and come forth. And if you'd like somebody to pray over you, we would consider it a great honor to be a part of petitioning the Lord's throne and asking him to help you be confident in who you are, to help you be willing and authentic, to lead a life simply telling others about the things that the Lord has given to you, commanded you, changed you, challenged you, changed you, and given you a brand new life. going to pray over us and again you're willing to come forth while I pray if our leaders will go ahead and come forward and then you're dismissed for the rest of your Sunday. Gracious and merciful Lord, God I thank you that in your faithfulness even though we are faithless sometimes God that you are doing something good that you invite us these treasures in jars of clay these broken vessels with doubts and worries and fears and insecurities lord to be a part of the greatest news that has ever been told and that ever will be told to the very end of the age lord when we get to see you coming back and redeeming us for once and for all lord god i thank you that that work gets to begin here that our eternity can begin the moment that we accept you And say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I don't know where we're going, but I'm going to follow him. You are so trustworthy, Lord God. Help us to be confident that you are with us. Help us to be willing and bold, Father, to take the next step to follow you. Bless us, Lord God, as we go now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.